for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Top Hill Recording. Hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Top Hill Recording Podcast, episode 47. What's going on, Neil? What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I see uh, tonight, Cindy wanted to pick out the bourbon for the podcast. When she came up with a selection, I knew you'd be happy. I love it. <laughs> uh, so I looked down, I was like, man! Go ahead and introduce our bourbon. <laughs> Elmer T. Lee, man, she did amazing tonight with her selection. My yeah. favorite in the world. And uh, I haven't had it since the last time we we drank it here, so... I'm excited. I already had a little sip. I got to be honest. I couldn't wait. We got a very interesting guest tonight, Dave Wilson. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Hey, thanks, guys. I'm glad to be here. Let's cheers here. Cheers, Neil. Cheers, cheers Dave. Cheers, Dave. Cheers. Hey, so, Dave, cheers. what are you drinking, man? Y'all are drinking bourbon, right? Y- yes. Well, I hate to say that I could have my, uh, my bluegrass boy card removed because I'm not a bourbon fan. I hate to say that. Oh, oh man. I am drinking, but I'm drinking uh, what I call a Lexington jackass. Okay, explain. It's a mule built out of Barrel House Distilleries, uh, blue vodka, made in Lexington, a fresh lime that I picked up at a, at a grocery store in Lexington this afternoon. Uh, and then you got to have, for your ginger, your Winchester uh, swamp water, L8. Uh, you gotta have some plate, and then then you, t- you you top it all off with a pinch of Calumet salt block, and that is a Lexington jackass, our version of the mule. That sounds terrible. Calumet salt block. All right, I, all right, I, all right. I'm full of it. I'm lying, man. Uh, I'm basically drinking smeared off and Schweppes. What are you talking about? <laughs> But that sounded good, didn't it? Was yeah, I used to do the marketing in Lexington. Hey, you had me on the edge of my seat, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers to whatever you're drinking. I tried to get the CBV down there to like come up with a drink way back in the day. Way back in the day when I was in uh, advertising down there. I'm like, we need to make a Lexington. Nobody listened to me. So I live in Louisville now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. We'll go ahead and uh, get into the podcast <laughs> with uh, hearing from you about, if you'd go back to childhood and tell us a little bit about your early memories of music, how you got into music, and at what point did you realize it was going to be something important in your life? Well, uh, a couple a couple of things. 
uh, one, the first 45 that I ever decided in a store that I was going to buy was Pink Floyd, Welcome to the Machine, and Have a Cigar. Uh, I do remember that because I listened to that a little like five-year-old. No idea what I was listening to. Uh, but my first time performing, church, brothers. It's all about church. Uh, I did the B-I-B-L-E when I was like four years old, and I've been singing in church uh, ever since I quit singing in church. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was the early days was uh, was all those kind of songs, Room at the Cross and and Power in the Blood of the Lamb, all that good stuff. We need to just sit down one time. I wonder if we could figure the percentage of guests we've had on the show that started music in church. Oh, it's at least. 50 to 70. It's up there. I'm saying 50 to be conservative, but I bet it's more like 75% legit. Do you think that's a Kentucky thing, Bible Belt thing? or No, because it's the same with a lot of the people out of state that we've interviewed. I really think that it's a a safe place for a lot of people because, I'm not going to lie, I would get upset when I I was a young cocky kid and, and you're doing that big Christmas program and and you got to sing that deacon's part during all the rehearsals, but he's going to sing it at the actual show. Oh, I'd had enough of that. But uh, uh, it's a safe place for everybody to get a shot at the microphone. Yeah, you know that's what, true. I, I, that's what I, it is. I've never even thought about that, but that's definitely it, and it really right. is a safe place because we've all been in church at one time or another where there's somebody <laughs> up there that has no business singing. <laughs> with your mom, with your mom got that thumb in your side. Like if you laugh, we're not going to Duff Smorgasbord. We're gonna go home and eat bologna. <laughs> I remember those, man, for sure. Yeah. Okay, do not laugh at her singing. And I remember exactly killed. what Dave's talking about. We would get to look. Hey, you know what? My brother and I, because we're getting ready to laugh. <laughs> well, the, right? sometimes getting a look is the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me? I, I, I got me and the preacher's son got called down in the middle of a, a revival. And the guy was like a nationally known radio guy. And and I will tell you honest. And and uh, if, if friends from church hear this, if we, we show it. And Brother Heard, if you're listening. I love your brother Herd and me and your son Steve. We did nothing that day, but the man called us out in the middle of his big program. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in this front row. I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to you. Oh Lord, that was the worst day ever. <laughs> we, we weren't doing nothing that day. We were clean. <laughs> Thought you were going to hell, though. Yeah, <laughs> we did, dude. Oh man, we were in trouble. Wow. Yeah, church. Church was all man. That was that was my you know when I got into like you know as, as I kept progressing and had a had a really great uh, youth choir and youth minister who was trained and really took me under his wing and really taught me a lot of good stuff about being a vocalist and and doing it like a lot of nights of the week uh, and you know the summers in like middle school and. We would go on these tours and our church wasn't a huge church. So there wasn't a lot of guys in the youth choir. So it kind of ended up being me with a bunch of girl backup singers in a really nice bus traveling around all summer playing in front of big audiences. Hey, hey. What they think I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> so you didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. No, <laughs> it trained me very well. Definitely. Like we said, man, we've had a lot of people 
talk about starting a church, but and they talked about church getting encouraged and, and all that, but I've never heard thought about the safety of doing it in that environment going Nobody at church is going to tell you, oh, gosh, you suck. You shouldn't be a singer. <laughs> they're not. Nobody. They're no, going to give you time Brad, to develop. <laughs> it's just a good observation, man, because that's true. You know, I never they, thought about they, it. You know, you know, Sister Johnson might come up and, and usher you over to help him with the, the toddlers, maybe, but, but <laughs> they, they won't tell you you shouldn't sing. <laughs> they'll, find your, they'll find your calling. Yeah, you got talents elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, the Lord's speaking to you over here in the toddler area. <laughs> Brad, we're going to have you sing here. in Sunday school. <laughs> no, we're going to put you on puppets. <laughs> <laughs> I went there. <laughs> so after church, after church, yeah, after church, it was uh, wanting to be a rock star. Were you uh, at this point when you were doing the traveling and uh, singing in the choir and doing all that? Were you had mm -hmm. you started playing guitar yet? Uh, yeah, yeah, guitar happened uh, in Fayette County. They were practicing a thing called Seventh Hour. Uh, it was like a a trial thing and this in the seventh hour of the day was anything you wanted and they packed a lot of stuff into leastown middle school where i went and uh guitar was one of them and so i just was like you know checking my card on what i wanted coming up the next year and i put guitar uh this is probably 81 or 82 and she's handing out the guitars and she hands me mine and, and she said don't touch them nobody make any noise and before she got to the, the third kid from me, I'd already picked out uh, Jesse's girl <laughs> <laughs> by ear. I was like, I'm done. All right, I'm doing this. I am doing this. I'm over there playing. I got in trouble, but, but you know, here I am. <laughs> he said that was, that was middle school? Yeah, that was middle school. That was like uh, seventh grade. Yeah, so I was like, I think I was like 81, 82, I can, yeah, something like that. And uh, I never looked back. Uh, I, I just absolutely fell in love with it. And uh, we had some uh, some family that owned uh, down in Lexington, was called Sharps Music. And uh, uh, so we called them up. My parents called them up and got me some guitar lessons. And and uh, I didn't take too well to them. I, I, I wanted to write my own stuff. I ended up you know, going into the guy with a Mellencamp song and wanting to learn just why he went from the chorus to that bridge like that. And that's all I wanted to know. And, and the next day I want to know just the, uh, the harm, the first little measures and harmonic of yes, roundabout. That's all I wanted to know was just how he did those harmonics and little pieces because I really just wanted to write my own stuff. And, and I could tell early that that's where I was headed. And, and, um, so I'm I'm a play by ear kind of guy. What do you think put that in your head at that point that that you wanted to write music and write your own songs? Where did where did you get that? I you know I don't know. Uh, I was I've always been like uh, writing rhymes and things even as a little kid and and been a writer as much as writing music as well. And uh, you know I don't know. I just uh, like I tell people a lot of friends would sit during that that time and they were memorizing every note for note of led zeppelin you know a, a song or, or an album and i was 
oddly enough, looking at what label they were on and then looking at other albums in the music store that were on that same label. And well, heck, I'd probably like them too. And who produced this and where did they record that? And, and the back end was always like a, a, almost like really the rail that was, that was inspiring me as much as anything was like how, how those albums got made uh, even to the design. And I, I became a graphic designer by career uh, and, uh, and marketing and advertising. Uh, I've always kind of been on that, that production side. So you're just a creative person all around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know some people call that a uh, destructive adhd but i'll take creative i like what you said <laughs> so did you pick up the guitar pretty quickly yeah i i, I did i i it was uh by ear and you know my my long time almost 30 year uh music partner mike lanahan uh, he, he can tell you all the times where, uh, guys in bands with us have said, now what's he playing? Cause I will show a song and I really, truly guys don't know what I'm playing. I, I mean, within reason, I mean, I know G, C, D, you know, roughly, but, but I really just make, just play it by ear and, uh, we'll write things and, and take it into practice and, and, uh, and show it to them. And somebody else and has to tell you terrible the dad jokes. It's Jeff Donahue, man. Some people just do it that way. Uh, I, I, just, I just run at it, yeah. So did you do you think that the, uh, the structure of figuring out, well, not figuring out, but, but the guitar lesson itself, because like you said, you took bits and pieces, but do you think the structure of it kind of took away the speed of the process that you learn in, if that makes sense? For me, absolutely. Yeah, for me, uh, I mean, I, I I am you know, my my mother, the the early childhood development specialist would would say that uh, I'm I'm probably definitely ADHD and uh, and fought my battles being 50. Uh, people weren't as open to it. Uh, I was just a, a troublemaker who wouldn't do my homework, wouldn't get anything done, and to stop and learn all of that music was stopping me from what was already in my head. So it was like, it was like going to put a long barrier between me getting out what was in my head. And if I just sat in my room by myself with my, my Les Paul and in the headphones, I will sit there and I'll figure out what I wanted to play until I wrote my song. And that's just where I, I, I shoved the boat off from uh, running like that. Hmm. So at what point did you start playing with uh, other people, uh, you know, organized, organized band and practicing songs? And did you start immediately with songs that you had written? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was like uh, recording on my four track and singing songs. I, in high school, I had a trio called Alice's House and it was uh Myself and Dan Daner and a girl named Hope Hartman, and it was two acoustic guitars, and uh, we would do, you know, things from Ry Cooter songs to uh, uh, Love and Rockets, No New Tale to Tell, to, uh, you know, Mellon Camp, Little Pink Houses, and, you know, we would lie to get into uh, High on Rose, uh, would have a kind of a folk open mic night, and we would we would lie, and and get in there and, and we would, we would do our set. And, uh, that was the first time that I really, really tried like, uh, okay, it's not a backing track. 
and it's not, you know, a big sound system and it's not, you know, there's not a whole bunch of other singers with me. It's just me, uh, this guy and this girl, and we're going to have to blend our voices and blend our volume and figure out how to do it like, uh, you know, like old school. And, uh, so that was the first thing I really did and went out and played for anybody. The first one that really did something was, uh, was a band called Bali Shag. And that was like 91, 92 through maybe 98, some, somewhere around there. And that was a, a big jam band. And that was, uh, that was my, I jumped feet first into that kind of deal. I have to say, <laughs> like, mm. like, like what, what is this improv all about? And learning how to listen and, and look at each other to be able to do a band like that, where we would play, you know, four hours and have 10 songs on a set list. You probably, once you got in that realized that was probably your, it, right in your wheelhouse. I mean, honestly, with you talking about playing from ear and, and playing uh, what you oh. were feeling, a jam band man to be able to go with, with the emotion of the night and the song and the difference that that had to just like hit you. Perfect. Oh, it, it, yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, th throughout the years, uh, we, we, you know, hit a point figured out where, where I would stay uh, stone cold, uh, sober. And we really hit a stride when I kind of became a little bit of a director, like the only one who was present, but letting the other six guys just absolutely be the, the master musicians that their brain and substances wanted them to be. Uh, it was a lot of fun to be able to, to go with it on the flow. And, uh, uh, I always love that, you know, when you're in a band that's hopping and you're, you got crowds night after night is, is, uh, walking in with no set list and doing an audible based on the crowd, you know, watching them and like no, nothing like when you really want to take a break, but damn, they finally got up and they're dancing yeah. and buying beer. So yeah. you're like, guys, we're not taking a break. They're finally up. <laughs> if my band members of any band that I was ever in could hear you now, they would go, yeah, Neil brings a set list and then calls audibles all night anyway. <laughs> I, don't right. think I, I don't think I've ever followed a set list. <laughs> well, man, you know, audibles, man, that's, that makes a good quarterback. Well, exactly, because you, like you said, you got to read it. And if you're like, all right, man, we got three songs left. The last two are, are really upbeat ones. And all of a sudden you got... 30 people dancing you can't just stop you gotta grow right. with it yeah so when right. when uh how much did being in that band teach you as being uh, not only a musician but just being able to be in that that space where you listen like you said you know kind of directing things how long it takes you time to learn stuff like that how long did it take you to get in that groove to where where you Man, could do I, that you know mike and i have recently like found like the old four track cassette of the first five or six songs that I, I wrote in that style for us to go and find a band with. And the difference is just remarkable. Uh, it, it took a few years. It really did. And a few key players. It took, uh, and we were kind of heavy uh, until we added a, a keyboard player, Brad Slutskin. And he came in and uh, turned us, opened us up into more Almond Brothers, opened us up into more uh, even progressive stuff like Mahavishnu Orchestra. We would uh, we'd get into that stuff too. And um, it, I mean, it really, it really changed everything. And, uh, but being in that moment like that with this band, it, it, 
it really prepared me for for actually going into professional career too. Uh, it it really taught me to be on my toes and be able to run a a presentation where we're presenting a ad campaign or a new brand for a you know a major company or you know or, or you know something like that. And you got to move and bob and weave. And man, there were so many times I I, I really felt like I was I was singing a show uh, that it really went hand in hand. Hmm. And there were times where I ran into people, uh, down around Lexington area. Uh, there'd be times where I'd be given a big presentation and, and it's, you know, stuffed shirt, everybody's in suits. And all of a sudden somebody slaps the table and goes, Bolly shag. <laughs> like, what and they're like oh my god yeah i went to center college and you all were there every week oh my you know i was like okay uh, uh, you're derailing my sales but are you buying does that mean you're buying <laughs> does that mean i just added 15 <laughs> percent? quick redo the math <laughs> so that that uh tenure with Bolly Shag lasted you said what about seven years seven six or seven years yeah yeah six six seven years something like that and and uh we, we got to play a whole bunch and 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 do a lot of fun things and uh and then unfortunately i, I uh i i kind of I, I met uh what was uh, to be the love of my life and something deep deep down subconsciously flipped the switch that now music was frivolous and childish and i needed to go be a big businessman hmm. mm. so you put yeah. so, so you uh metaphorically quit, uh, put the guitar under the bed for some time huh i i did and uh and systematically went crazier and crazier with each subsequent minute that passed <laughs> wow yeah so yeah uh, and yeah until i until uh you know, things things happen and, and big discussions happen with uh, with wives and things and you and you end up moving to Louisville uh, by yourself and and starting a whole new life. So, man, but it, it, the first step to that's putting that guitar up, making that decision to do that. I mean, was it just the responsibility of obviously I'm getting married, I've got all this stuff going on. Uh, it really became a frivolous thing to where it was like, did it just not matter anymore, or did you make it not matter? Uh, in looking back and self-analyzing, I made it not matter. I put it away, but it wasn't in the front of my lobe. It was. It was in my subconscious. I was. My subconscious moved me into. All right. Well, I'm. I'm not this. This crazy musician. I'm. I'm going to go be a big businessman and jumped into the dot com world and and. Um, uh, well, when I, when I was in Bali Shag, I was, I was, uh, one of the managers at Carl's music center. So I was kind of dabbling with it. I'm going to go in professional in something. Yeah. And I just, uh, made the mistake of just putting it down and, uh, you know, hard conversations of why'd you do that? You know, asking me, that's not who, you know, who, who I met, you know, that, those kind of things. I'm definitely a tale that, uh, that I tell a lot of people do not stop. So yeah. How long did stop. you step away? Um, gosh, it, it was a solid, a solid, probably heck, ten years. Wow, a decade. How? How? Yeah. During that time, I mean, were there days or moments where you would pull the guitar out and play, or did you even have an instrument at this point? 
Oh no, I I would I would sit around and doodle, but I I just uh, I didn't you know I would I would push people back, uh, people who want to jam and get together, and I just felt like I didn't have the time to do it at a level that I would want to do it. How old were you during this period? Uh, I was like uh, 30, 30 to forty. Okay. Yeah. But even at that, I I was still uh, the songs wouldn't stop falling out. Did so, you did so, you write them down? Uh, yeah, I, a lot of times I just play them over and over until I memorize them. Really, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's some I wrote down, and then uh, after my daughter was born uh, in 2005, uh, I got a brand new uh, Mac Mini. Uh, and, uh, cause my, my business was doing well and, and, uh, had an ad agency as a partner in elevation creative studios down there. And, and we were, you know, hot shotting and it was fun. Things were jamming. So I bought this and I, I bought a, another guitar and a keyboard and, you know, it was, it was ramping stuff up and got into sitting, uh, late at night when I had insomnia and started writing just a bunch of songs and, and just poured it all back on again. And, Called my buddy Mike Lanahan and we put put some more bands together and and just kept going. Hmm. Oh, Mike! Mike's been with you your whole life. Mike's been with me a long time. Yeah, we we we've we've done a lot, and he's in both bands that I'm in right now. He plays bass in one and and uh, guitar in the other. All right. Well, speaking of, we've got uh, Dave Wilson and the Risky Shift and Power Glide. Which one of those did you start up? Which are vastly different bands. <laughs> number yeah, one, they are. <laughs> they and are. Number two, which one uh, of those? Well, are those one of those two one uh, bands? Your first venture out once you came back and got back into music. Yes. And which one was uh, it? Uh, both of them. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, Risky Shift was. I'd moved in uh, with Mike, and we were building out his basement uh, over uh, Melwood area, Melwood Brownsboro Road area. Uh, we we're building out his basement studio, and he had several cover bands, and and I was just always around and quasi producer, photographer, and things, and and was going working my, my brain through a lot of stuff at that time, and uh, you know we did Mike and I kept kept doing a project called new pocket visionaries and that's out on Spotify's. And that was really a, a recording project where we wanted to overproduce a group of songs. And um, yeah, so new pocket visionaries is out on Spotify and we did that. And uh, then just kept, you know, rolling into, you know, the cover bands he was doing were breaking up. And so like, well, why don't we jam with Dave and, and, uh, and the rest is history with risky shift. And, um, uh, even the weird name, Risky Shift, is a psychological—I uh, want to say condition—but it's uh, essentially where uh, two people will will uh, get risky enough in their behavior. But if you add one more friend, they exponentially will get riskier. Add another one, it'll exponentially grow. With each with each added person, the risk shifts exponentially. So that's that's where that came from. Uh, hmm. And then Mike was jamming with uh, with. Uh, Steve Alexander on drums and Andy Lawrence and Paul Edlin, no name. They were just, they were just, just improving uh, a pure creative release. And, and uh, they're like, well, why, why don't you, why don't you sing with us? And uh, risky shift. I write, I sit and I write 
the stuff and think about that. I have uh, Mike Lanahan and, and Brandon Goodale, uh, both on guitar, giving me, you know, the Almond Brothers to write for essentially because uh, they're both phenomenal. Uh, so that's like a comes from one place in my mind and it, and it has a place. But then the power glide thing uh, has been one of the most rewarding, pure creative experiences I've ever had where I don't have to write the song. So I don't play any guitar at all in power glide. They improv everything. And I literally improv stream of conscious words and melodies. What? Uh, hold on. We, hold on a second here. So, <laughs> yeah. So you guys, <laughs> you guys just go in wide open and whatever comes out, comes out. Yeah. Ready to hear yeah, what, and, We should hear what yeah, came and, out. And we, but now, now for the shows we've started, we started booking, uh, we've ne'er, we've worked that down to a set list of songs we play over and over, but I'm, but I'll admit between uh, just the three of us, if nobody else ever hears this, that they won't. I don't get the, I don't get the lyrics right every night with power glide. I kind of make them up a little different. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why don't we do yeah, this from, before from time we, to time. before we talk too much more about power glide, why don't we go back to risky shift and listen to a song right. and then we'll come back and talk about power glide and listen to one of these. Uh, I, I, we, we can listen to them back to back just to hear the difference. That's true. <laughs> Let's just do yeah, that. Okay. Let's so start we'll, with risky shift, start with risky shift. And, uh, what do you think? Uh, Dave disguise, maybe. Yeah, do disguise. Okay, so we'll listen to disguise this, from Risky this, Shift. This, this is our this is our bit uh, a little more produced type writing. Uh, we've got some kind of straight songs, and this one's a little bit uh, when we get into listening to some progressive rock like Porcupine Tree and Stephen Wilson and things. We it kind of fuels me a little bit. So this one's a little uh, you know a little progressivey. Okay, and then we'll follow that up with what water watermark. Watermark, new watermark All from, right. uh, from Paraglide, yeah. Oh, right. there we so go. So here it is, Risky <laughs> Shift, Disguise, and then we'll go into Watermark from Paraglide.
Let's hear some Power Glide. Power Glide. This is a take where we set to record it, but we did a, just a one take through. Uh, but we learned that first night of doing this song ever, we learned it. And it's pretty crazy, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I, I've never experienced anything like it myself. And it just, it just every single time we're together, it happens. More come. Hmm. I love it. <laughs> are your bandmates the same in each band, or are they separate bands? Uh, they're separate bands. The only uh, the only uh, uh, ex- exception is uh, my longtime partner Mike Lanahan. In Power Glide, he is uh, playing bass, and in Risky Shift, he's uh, he's guitar along with Brandon Goodale. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, <laughs> the bass player always wants to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? That is a joke, but I can tell you with this person. It truly is. You're playing with a bass player, and the other band you're playing with a guitar player. I yeah, mean, but, no. I, but I hear you. No. I, mean, I mean, hell, I do it. All of us do it. We all think we can. Shoot, the best bass player I ever. One of the best bass players I ever played with was one of the the better guitar players I ever played with. So I know how that rolls. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, if they do it right, I I tend to like that because they think a, that that extra two notes in a little melody mm-hmm. line. Oh yeah, yeah. When you a real good guitar player that is a bass player, you can almost pick them out. You almost go, yeah. oh, that's a guitar player. Because they, they, there's just a little... And then there's some bass players that just go, that's just, no, to play bass like that, that's all they do is play bass because they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> there's this uh, K-Bass yeah. K yeah. on Instagram. I don't know if y'all ever seen this guy or not. K-Bass. I think it's K-A-Y-Bass. Dude, it is the sickest stuff I've ever seen. Yeah. Side note, sorry. 
seen that. Yeah, <laughs> he's amazing. To that, there, there's people who come up, you know, after Powerglide show and and uh, are they are blown away when I tell them, oh, well, if you like him, well, he plays guitar in this other band with me, and we have a show next weekend. And they're like, wait, 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 what? That bass player plays guitar because he, I mean, he really does. You wouldn't know if, unless I've told you now, and I let it out of the bag. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's a he's a John Paul Jones addict, is what he is. Mm. And then a Dwayne Allman and Trey Anastasia addict. Tell us a little bit about your recording process. You were you were talking a little bit about that before we came on air, and that was interesting. Sure. Well, with the two different bands, there it's interesting. One band likes to just work, and that's Risky Shift we really got into recording the album that we put out uh, the first of this year, uh, put out on Spotify. We, with that band, everybody got into that intricacy of like, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, hammer it down. Uh, And it's because the songs are delivered to the band as finished songs. So it's like, okay, let's do this song justice. But then Power Glide, uh, it really is that... uh, Rhythm guitar player Andy Lawrence, we call him Standard Andy because Standard Andy comes in with a little chord progression, about five every time we get together, and then Paul Edlin on guitar. He is uh, is a, a Berkeley uh, grad. He's you know phenomenal, uh, and then you know it just kind of like falls into place. And we've tried to sit and record with Power Glide, and it drives us all crazy. <laughs> and we just we just can't do it. So I mean, we we basically sat around, you know, the last, you know, several months ago saying, all right, we got all this COVID time. What are we going to do? And and uh, and I, I brought up the the first government mule, uh, Warren Haynes, first government mule record. Uh, it says it right on the back. The entire record is recorded in one take m- minus the addition of harmonica of John Popper on a song. But it was just like a one take album, and Mike and I were like, "Dude, that's what we got to do, guys. We're just gonna one take it. We're just gonna like." So we're working on our album, and uh, you know, we'll pick a night and we'll just do the song over. No, no click tracks. We tried that, and it killed Powerglide. It killed our feeling. Mm-hmm. It really did. Yeah. Whereas Risky Shift is all click track. It's mm-hmm. like hammered down, hammered and tight. Um, I, I man, I feel like an embarrassment of riches. Uh, honestly, with with both these projects, to, that there's such an outlet. You know, the part of me that sits and writes songs got an outlet, and the part of me that just can, you know, will just like throw words out. You know, uh, love it. Yeah. Well, you talk about yeah, the, cool. the the click track, man. You know, when you do a one take deal, it's all about feel, man. You get that mm-hmm. right. You don't need a click track. It doesn't have right. timing, and and you. You get to adjust, you get to slow up, uh, speed up, slow down, do all those interesting things that kind of make the the groove. And the thing is, uh, Steve Alexander, the drummer in Powerglide, when we when we first started like, okay, we're going to record now. And we did some click track. We did some without. We would pull the, like, the click track could go in and out. We, we could record him. And Mike and I sat and found the time signature later and was able to lay it in because he holds time that perfect. So we're like, well, screw this. <laughs> Everybody in the world hates click tracks. And you know, unless you're Ariana Grande or somebody like that, then you love them. <laughs> but, I mean, let's face it. Nobody likes a click track. Come on. <laughs> if you don't have to have one, why yeah, would you want it? No kidding. Uh, and, uh, 
So yeah, he was so perfect anyway that all it did was slow us down and and uh, just milk all the fun out of it. Yeah, yeah. And whereas I love having a band that we can we can like tediously like actually work on and make that fun be in the song because that's what kind of band we are. Then to have one where we just do it is amazing. You were talking about this last latest release with Dave uh, Dave Wilson and the Risky Shift, which is up on Spotify now. The album Forgive did, uh, and and I was looking for Powerglide and couldn't find anything, but you can find Powerglide on Bandcamp, correct? Yeah, uh, PowerGlideMusic.bandcamp.com. Sweet and. And and all and all of that fun stuff, how you're able to find Risky Shift, we're we're moments behind uh with Powerglide. So we we've we've got it coming and uh um, we're gonna hopefully be putting it up on Spotify soon and and uh making it easy for everybody to find everything. Well that that was the question that I was leading to because are when you do get all that up, are you all currently recording that one shot album? Are you are you gonna release that when everything when you have your next upload to Spotify? Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to, we'll release that. And, uh, and even risky shift is starting in on our next group of songs for an album. Awesome. Since we have a recording studio that we're in, uh, both bands are always rehearsing straight to digital. So we're recording everything we do, uh, and picking it apart, uh, being older, mature musicians, we're, we're, we're not so uh, been out of shape that there's no not a lot of gigs going on right now. Yeah, uh, we're we're fine. We're we're uh, we're really honing uh, honing our show and uh, honing our songs and you know digging into our covers and digging into things and putting in wrinkles and and fun little you know little things in the show and and we're just having fun. We're just gonna we're just gonna record songs and. Uh, we did uh, recently uh, uh, acquire a, a four-channel uh, video mixer and uh, several GoPros. And uh, uh, this Sunday, uh, coming up at rehearsal, we're going to do our first uh, multi-camera test of, uh, nice. of kind yeah. of turning Calabell Studio into uh, into possibly a place where we can we can uh, get on that that profit column of a business as opposed to just putting all of our money in a studio and <laughs> making it just for us. <laughs> We, we might actually be able to be able to turn it into uh, maybe rent out for bands to uh, to do some multi camera and you know some some cool lighting and things like that. But uh, yeah, we're we're uh, we're just moving right along because what are you gonna do? That'd be fun. Well, not that you can do much, but you guys, you know, like you didn't get a release show or anything like that, but you all did get to play a pretty cool little uh, gig at the end of I guess fall. Leading into right. this. Yeah. So you got a, what was it, the LRS Fest? Uh, no, we were at Brouhaha. Brouhaha, uh, that's we, what it was. At Enchanted Forest and uh, over in New Albany. And man, if you're listening to this and you have not experienced the Floyd County Brewing, then their Grain House, and then their Enchanted Forest venue, uh, that is the place man i'm telling you that playing in that that uh, that stage at enchanted forest was amazing it, it, it's a what a wonderful place and uh yeah I, I hope they they can stick it out and they seem to be doing well through all of this and and doing everything they need to do and can do and uh uh but yeah that brouhaha was a was a really fun time to 
to, to get up on a stage like that outdoor, uh, under the trees and under the lights. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. We've, we've, uh, these bands have gotten out to, uh, 21st amendment, love that place, uh, 21st in Germantown and ADI is, is a, a, a fun little place to, to sharpen claws and get loud. And, uh, yeah, we've, 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 we've been, we've been trying to, to get out there as, as the second kind of shutdown came and, um, and then, you know, some, some, uh, some, a few personal things and, and some, some, uh, some illnesses in the, in the, uh, the, the, the band families. And so, yeah, we're just like, you know, let's just be cool and let's, uh, let's, uh, you know, hone our skills and record something new. Absolutely. So, yeah, I want to go back and, uh, the, the whole power glide concept just, uh, <laughs> just amazes me. <laughs> I think because it's, I think because it's so anti me. Yeah, it's so anti you. <laughs> but so so okay, we just heard Watermark. What's yeah. it what's it look like? Like Watermark is developing. What's this look like? What do you bring to the band? I mean, you know, do you say uh, hey, you guys play what you want and I'm going to sing a song or what's it, what's it look like? <laughs> uh, it it truly it truly looks like we've gotten real comfortable with each other and yeah, somebody'll just start playing something and it quickly mike's able to quickly get a, a, a baseline in it and steve just hammers down the drums on it quick and they all start sounding like finished songs immediately and um uh i have my if, if we were if we were sitting there together I'd, I'd open my phone up and i'd show you my uh my notepad app if i open it up here right now it's got uh 617 files and what they are are bits of lyrics and and that that is that that i don't even think you know that do you neil yeah oh yeah i i have uh i i just write uh it'll it could be uh a line it could be a whole um half of a song it could be a, a, a you know a few words uh but yeah i, I just uh keep this notepad handy uh on my phone and so literally they'll start playing something and i'll sit through for a little while and i'll scroll through and i'll look at something and i'll go oh well that okay well uh then i'm gonna run with uh run with uh run with this one then uh um just then she arose from the slumber to move lonely <laughs> path of solitude and you know and i was like okay i'll i'll yell that into something and, uh, <laughs> and that and it truly is how power anything power glide if you if you, you go out to band camp all the stuff on band camp truly are straight out of live live rehearsals jams yeah so everything you would hear there uh uh are just you know one takes you, you'll even i'm not even embarrassed enough to hear you'll hear in a lot of that you'll hear me mumble the first bit going like will that even fit and then the next time around, you'll hear me sing it for real. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's all, all that kind of shit in there, man. I mean, it's, like, it's great, but it, it truly is one of the funnest things I've ever done. Well, now we got to listen uh, to Shangri-La. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that song. Do you what, remember, what do you yeah. remember about that song? Shangri-La. That was, uh, yeah, I, I, I believe that's uh, a Paul Edlin, the lead guitar player. I believe that's a, a chord progression. He just started playing, and I... Out of, I don't know, from my crazy amount of influences. I, I've, I've never been like a one genre 
kind of guy. Uh, even as a kid and through high school, I was like all over the map constantly. I don't know. It just, it just hit like, uh, the words just started falling out. It's, I can't even tell you where they came from. I have no idea where, where these words came from out of my, my past, my experience and my psyche really, other than, than, uh, just making up a fictitious story about a guy and a, and a girl and, and, uh, all of them just kind of going too far. Essentially is what it's about. It's about trying to find your Shangri-La, your, that place to relax. But everybody in the song, uh, just, uh, uh, hit hard times, essentially. Shangri-La, let's go. Let's listen to it. Here it is. (laughs) y'all a couple of glide songs we, we laugh that we say that we have power and we glide i, I didn't send you any hard ones oh that's okay yeah yeah pa- power glides the band that gets the rocks off yeah it gets it gets heavy so he sends the ballads <laughs> <laughs> wow those songs sounded really sweet on that podcast i think i'll listen to power glide <laughs> oh shit he's thinking about wizards and grimoires and shit <laughs> Between everything that you got going on with music and bands and rehearsals and all this other stuff, that's not your only creative outlet. You continue to have other crap going on on top of that. I don't know how you manage your time or keep all those balls in the air, but you also <laughs> are, are a part of um, Be a Lion. Will you tell, yeah. tell, tell us a little bit about what's going on with that? Be a lion is, uh, I, uh, my, my day job, if you will, I'm a creative director for Tuska studio, T U S K A.com. And, uh, uh, a quick story. Uh, John Tuska was, uh, originally from New York and his entire career was teaching at the university of Kentucky was an art professor. And, uh, we've been keeping his legacy going since he died in 98. Um, uh, and through many different, different things, healing through arts and things for elderly. And, uh, but one thing that's been near to my heart was, uh, this program that, that, uh, Seth Tuska and I, uh, have been working on for about five years or so putting together. Um, and it really is the idea that art heals and we just want kids, uh, to be, uh, uh, to, to run towards the arts in any way any creative expression in any way playing with legos whatever uh that art will actually heal them emotionally at that moment they're having a hard time at home um so it's really a program about the arts and uh 
we were able to, uh, I, I worked with a guy, Guy Gilchrist, uh, on a project, uh, in Nashville, uh, years ago and we became friends and I contacted him and he, he jumped on the idea, loved it. And Guy Gilchrist, uh, is a uh, titled Jim Henson's cartoonist. He is the one who, uh, Worked with Jim Henson, and uh, when the Muppets were going to become babies uh, in the 90s, oh, wow. uh, he was the one who turned them into babies. Uh, he was the one who gave us the cartoons of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he worked on uh, you know, Tom and Jerry movies. But he's oh, wow. a fantastic guy. He lives in Nashville. He's a singer-songwriter as well. And uh, so Guy and I have worked together in the past, and he and I wrote a book, a, a storybook, a coloring book, and activity book uh, for Be a Lion. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, near and dear to the heart. Uh, everything I do is about art uh, these days. Uh, the second half I call my life is uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be playing music. I'm going to be making art and I'm going to uh, uh, teach kids uh, to use art and, and to uh, keep art handy. And uh, so, yeah, so we're selling these kits. And, and uh, when you sell it, we sell a kit of a coloring book, an activity sheet, kind of like a highlights uh we're kind of creating our own highlights with this uh, so there'll be a monthly uh activity sheet that, that your kids can get uh sent to them and um every time somebody buys one we can give one to a, a kid in need uh and uh, so yeah it's a it's just a it's a it's a fun thing being involved in art and uh yeah we we represent artists uh you know uh we sell their artwork on our sites and and uh, uh, we we just picked up uh, the, the work of uh, of uh, Omar uh, uh, Delhuar and uh, uh, Delhuar Omar actually, uh, and uh, I got to use uh, the song "Forgive" on a video of all his art pieces we're using. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm a creative guy, and uh, man, I, I can't stop being creative. That's awesome. That is. And, and, yeah. and, and you know who I'm with. You, you know how creative she is. I too. do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. It's a crazy house over here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> always something going on over there. <laughs> there is always something going on over here. <laughs> <laughs> so our listeners, Dave, that want to follow Risky Shift and uh, or Power Glide more closely, how can they do that? Uh. The Facebook pages are the best ones. You'll find uh, Dave Wilson and the Risky Shift on Powerglide uh, on, on Facebook, and you'll find Powerglide on Facebook. Music-wise, you can find uh, uh, powerglidemusic.bandcamp.com. You can find uh, pa- uh, Risky Shift on Spotify, you you know iTunes, wherever you get. You, I jokingly say it shows wherever you steal your music. You can you can listen to Risky Shift, <laughs> and Power Glide will be short behind. We're 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 finishing that up. We're gonna get that on the, out there on the the worldwide internets. Power Glide doesn't have like having to do that organized work of like getting music up. And no, that's like I mean, right. we can't we can't we can't think that far ahead. And, right. and you know, creatively, uh, being a you know the designer marketing guy, so obviously, yeah, the stuff you see was done by me. And I was explaining it to an old colleague of mine. I was like, you know what's really odd? Because of how Risky Shift is put together, I have visuals in my head already. Because of how Powerglide goes together, man, I'm going to hire a buddy of mine to do everything because I'm, I'm in a weird place with it. It's like a, it's, it's so, <laughs> uh, such an artistic outlet that it's not predisposed. And so I, it's, it's, it's interesting. 
But uh, you're gonna have to yeah, have a, you're gonna have to have an artist come over and draw a live drawing during your <laughs> live recording, or it's not legit. It's gotta oh be. Oh my old. gosh! Like a like one of those guys who who does like the spinning thing at at trade shows where it's like it's it's like a a playing card and it's Jimi Hendrix at the yeah. same time when he's done. Bring him one in. To, bring I him don't in know. I, I, but, uh, <laughs> here's what I picture. Yeah. I picture him coming into a Paraglide recording session, and he needs to be blindfolded. And you just draw what you hear. Ooh. <laughs> or it could be a blind. It could just be a blind artist. Make it easier. There you go. <laughs> uh, you know, in, in my earlier life at that elevation place, uh, the Kentucky Horse Park was our client for many years, and there was a horse out there that painted that. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You need to hire that horse. Get him into the basement. <laughs> Those paintings probably cost two hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've seen them auctioned off uh, for no good reason for a lot of money. Good call. Good hey, call. Man, see if you can uh, get one of those on Tusca dot com for the be a lion right. campaign. Exactly. Well, Dave, exactly. this has been a blast, man. I'm glad you could join us. And uh... oh, I, I've I've had a blast too. I've I've had really fun, and uh, uh, I, I appreciate the. The hour of funny conversation and appreciate the, the, the play of a few songs. Yeah, yeah we're going to go out with a Risky Shift song. We're going to go out with Cover uh, Me. You want to talk about that any before we play it? Uh, Cover Me. Cover Me is, uh, is uh, one of those fictitious songs about that, uh, that kind of uh, at first sight blistering, blistering uh, 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 love romance, like in a little scene kind of thing, like the new girl and and the dude there, they kind of see each other and it kind of, uh, it's not exactly what he, what he thinks is going to turn out as it turns out, but, uh, he kind of gets played. All right. All <laughs> he right. gets used. Put it that way. Yeah. I'm a women's liver. <laughs> I wrote a song where he gets played at the end of the night. <laughs> All right. Here it is. Risky shift. Cover me. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, thanks a lot, man. Thanks guys. Saucy mouth and purple lotuses up and down the wrong. Tucked beneath the t shirt.